got a direction that the Holy Spirit has given to us. We have a clock in the back, um, but I have a word in my spirit. And so we have to yield to the Holy Spirit so that uh, those who have to go will be able to leave. And those who've come thirsty will be able to drink. Amen. We've, we find ourselves in this situation this morning. Um, but based on the worship and based on the atmosphere, I do believe that um, the majority of us have come this morning uh, because we have come thirsty uh, for the presence uh, of the Lord. Uh, this message, Living Water, was birth because God has a word for the gathering place, but he also has a word for this community. One of the joys that Magon and myself are experiencing is that we are honored and we are humbled to serve and to lead not only beautiful people, but blessed people. Not everybody has the opportunity. You can lead people who are beautiful, but they may not be blessed. We have the honor of doing both and to labor together. And so I want to take us on a journey, and where I want to end today is to allow the Holy Spirit to identify those of you who have come because you're thirsty. You are thirsty for something that the natural world cannot, has not, and will never satisfy. You want increase. You want your capacity to increase in your life. And so you're at the right place. You're at the right place. So you have your notes there. I have uh, made it available for you. Uh, go to Genesis chapter number 1. Let's begin our journey at Genesis chapter number 1, verse 2 is where we will start. Once you have found that place in the Bible, it's the first book of the Bible written by Moses as he received the revelation from, from the Lord. Uh, there are five parts to this series. Sunday will be a message uh, for mothers. And we want to honor the mothers, and we'll have a, a special gift for all the mothers who uh, are able to be with us uh, on Sunday. But that message is entitled, I Drew You From the Water. Wow. And you're going to see a perspective of God as a mother you've never, I believe, have seen before. And if you have, shout me amen and come and encourage me if you've heard it this way before. But when he gave me that revelation... Wow, I drew you from the water. It speaks to the very womb of a woman. And uh, we're going to see an aspect of God that he is so vulnerable that he can also feel the pain as a mother who's given birth. The next message is uh, one that's going to be called regeneration and restoration. And he showed me in this message how we have heard, I believe it's a fairy tale, and it says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And God gave me a revelation about a mirror and how it reflects the water that is absolutely, absolutely powerful. Then we're going to go into a message called the river and the resources. The rivers and the resources. 
That message is going to bring increase. I prophesy that right now. That message is going to bring increase into your life. I'm talking financial increase because you're going to understand the economy of God when you understand water. The rivers and the resources. And the Bible says that month by month by month by month by month, as the river was flowing, resources were being provided. Mm-mm-mm. God knows we have a big vision in this church, and we need some big money to accomplish that vision. He just said, just get in the river, Rowan. Just get in the river. And every heart, every uh, desire, everything you have uh, will come to pass because he'll be glorified. And then the final of those messages will be, here is water. Here is water. And we're hoping and believing God we're going to baptize some folks whether in that spiritual baptism of the power of the Holy Spirit, or we're going to baptize you in physical water and represent cleansing and all those things. Amen. So, so we're on a journey for the next couple of Sundays. Please join us if you can. Invite a friend, but let them know you have to strap in your seatbelt because it's going to be a ride. That Cedar Point cannot satisfy. Amen, somebody. And all the roller coasting people that are crazy, say amen. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Let me stay on the ground. Amen, somebody, where I'm, where I'm safe. So the first thing we want to talk about is really just give you some information about water. Uh, before we go to our text, let me share with some information about water. I was sitting somewhere in this vicinity, this area right here, and I believe it was in the month of March, could be early April, and a word came in my spirit, it was water. And I believe some of you were at that service when I was just declaring that. I was just declaring about water. Well, I didn't know that um, there is an organization, it, website is unwater.org, and they share with us the benefits of water. They, they, their goal, their perspective, their assignment is that they came together in 1992 under the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development. They came together, some like-minded individuals, and they made this statement. They said, on March the 22nd, of 1993, we're going to launch what we're going to call World Water Day. World Water Day. So from 1993, from March the 22nd, from 1993, every year since, they have come together and they have decided upon a theme for World Water Day. So here's some information about the benefits of water that a committee was formed and their assignment is every year they come together as council, as an assembly, the ecclesia, come on, and they decide upon a theme for the next 12 months of how they're going to communicate information about, the, uh, about water. And so in 2016, their theme uh, for World Water Day uh, was the importance of water and jobs. And so they were, they were connecting that. But I'm here to tell you that God has given you and I a theme. That every year you ought to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you doing this year? Where do you want me to go this year? What do you want me to do this year? How do you want me to accomplish your will this year? 12 months on the calendar. 
a major, major significant thing can happen in your life in 12 months. Where Megan and I, we were talking about it yesterday, where Megan and I and my family was 12 months ago is not the same where we are today. Someone say, amen. Amen. The difference 12 months can make. If you live your life based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, World Water Day. And so on their website, when you go to it, it has these different banners that go across. And it's the first three points of the message. It says water is work. They also say that water is art. And they say that water is change. And so there's the three things that when you go to their website, you click on, that they're now going to walk you through how this is manifested through this committee. Mm-hmm. So March the 22nd was a significant time of the year, according to the UN Council on, uh, on, on, on where U.S. Council, uh, National Conference, at, sorry, United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, on Development. But I'm not here just to bore you or to give you just some facts on something that exists within our dimension. I wasn't just wanting to waste the last two minutes giving you something that may not be any profit to you whatsoever. What I want to share with you now is we want to step in now to the revelation and the reflection of water. And the significance of that is to the believers. If you're at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the uh, New King James Version of the Bible says this. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of of the waters. This is how we're introduced to God. Moses is writing to a nation who just came out of, out of Egyptian bondage, and he's writing and giving them direction. He's establishing not just for the nation of Israel, but for the entire world. And it's interesting that God doesn't uh, uh, want to prove himself. He just says he exists in the beginning, God. He doesn't ask our permission. He doesn't ask what we think. He doesn't ask if we agree. He doesn't ask if we believe. He just says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And he continues on, and he says something real interesting on the face of the waters, in the face of the water. Uh, Let me read, and I quote, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, water flows through the pages of Scripture. It is full of passages that links water to God's creating, God's blessing, God's saving work. This alone shows you and I the importance of water in our spiritual lives. It is vital. And so we look now and we see uh, the revelation of God. So if for us to be able to live a life that is, uh, that, that is fulfilling, to live a life, we must live by revelation. You have to live a life by revelation. I'm not just talking the last book of the Bible. I am speaking about a lifestyle that is connected always to the voice of God because the Spirit of God is moving over the face of the waters. And so we see now, this is the beginning of water. And you read this chapter, water is referred so many times. So I think that God is trying to get us or, or, or get our attention as he mentions the word waters over and over and over again. It is interesting to note from a fact that if we take a look at the globe earth, 
The earth is a watery place. I'm here to tell you that 71% of the earth's surface is water covered. And the ocean holds about 96.5% of all earth's water. So when we look at this globe, when we look at this marble, when we look at this thing that God created, it is interesting that the majority of it is water. I think the Lord is trying to tell us something, that he wants us to live more by the Spirit than by the flesh. That everywhere we look, everywhere we see, we see this great body of water. And he says, and God said, let there be an expand in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expand and separate the waters that were under the expand and from the waters that were above the expands. And it was so. In verse 9, and God said, so we see the beginning of water. We now see the body of water. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the water that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Let me declare something to you. Everything that God creates is good. Everything God creates is good. Everything. That's why all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, one of the things as a life strategist, when I work with individuals who are going through career transitions, I teach them what I call good success. And good is an acronym, and you can write this down free of charge. And, and so you can write this down. And so good is an acronym for means that God ordains our destiny. God ordains our destiny. Now, this is all before the fall. We're reading in Genesis, we're talking about the beginning of waters, and we're talking about the bodies of water. And God ordained our destiny. Now watch this now. So when God said, let there be stars, the stars obeyed what God said, and they went into their place, and they stayed there. And someone says, move. They say, I can't move. Why? Because God ordained our destiny. Because if I move outside of the voice of God, I become a fallen star. So I stay where God has established me, and in that, good success happens to me. And so where God has ordained you, where God has positioned you, you stay in that position and you'll experience good success. Because God says when he created creation, his final creation, uh, humanity, he says it was very good. It was very good. So we have to address this first, that God is a good God. He is a good God. Let's stop putting things on God that doesn't belong to him. He is a good God. His mercy, his grace. I didn't say we understand his ways all the time, but I'm under telling you that God is a good God. He really is. He really is. And so we now want to take a look and we see here that this good God who created the heavens, who expanded and did everything in the water, he now goes to the ground and he forms man and he breathes into man the breath of life and man now becomes a living being. He becomes a living being. And so what is on the outside in the oceans, and I told you that the earth, majority of it is water, so it is with you and I in our own physical body, that about 71% of our body is made up of water. So here it is now that the earth on the outside, the majority is water. And when you look on the inside of us, the majority of us is water. And that's why it's important from a physical perspective that we must remain hydrated. We, we, must, we must make sure we're taking in water. And, and every doctor you talk to will say, you got to drink water. you got to drink water. Because it's very important to understand the fact of that. Now watch this now. 
I'm going to read you something very interesting about uh, water. Let me get to it here in my notes. I thought this was really good. Ready for this? Up to 60%. No, where am I going here? Here it is. Here it is. So the brain and the heart are composed of 73% water. And the lungs are about 83% water. The skin contains about 64% water. Water. Muscles and kidneys are about 79%. And even the bones are watery, 31%. So when God took, a line, uh, took the prophet and put him in the midst of the dry bones... I'm a good God, and so when I see dryness, you can't function that way. So it says, prophesy, speak to the winds. And when the winds came together and bone upon bone and water and things came together and up stood this army. Because now they were filled with the Spirit of God. And that is what we want to take a look at. When you come to the conclusion, my brothers and sisters, and when you're out there sharing with people about the significance of water, here is the conclusion that Job came to. When he reflect on the revelation of God, when Job looked up and he was reflecting on God and God in his creation, when you and I, when we look up to God and see that God is good, here is the conclusion of the matter. You're going to say that the importance of the living water is because it reminds me of the blessings of of the Almighty God. Listen to Job in Job chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 10. Job chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 10. He says, As for me, someone say that with me. Ooh, if you know that the Spirit of God is moving on the inside of you, say, As for me. I don't know about my neighbor beside me. I don't know why you came today, but as for me. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. I'm praying for you, but as for. I would seek God, and to God would I commit my cause. Whew. Oh, my Jesus, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. And then he concludes by saying, he gives rain on the earth. He gives rain on the earth. He gives rain on the earth, that's you and I, and sends waters on the field. That was Job's conclusion, and he was about to enter a period of great suffering where his friends and their theology meant well, but they weren't really listening to what God was saying. And when Job got to a place and Job was saying, questioning God, God says, where were you when I was doing all these creative things? And Job, I know you're hurting, but where were you when I was throwing things into existence? And Job, I know you got physical things going on, but where were you? And Job had to come and realize that what as for me, as for me, I'm going to seek God, and to God would I commit my cause. Psalms 23 verse 2 is for someone here. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And so as a shepherd, as, as Dave was writing this, reflecting on a life of being a shepherd, he's connecting that to Jesus as the great shepherd. And as he leads and you're going through these things, you're trusting the shepherd to go before you and he's leading you and he feeds you on great pasture. But then he brings you to the water and it has to be still. Even though water continually moves, water never really stays still because the spirit of God is keep moving, it's keep moving, it keeps moving. The moment the water stops, you're dried up and you're good to nobody. Come on, somebody. So you got to keep moving, you got to keep moving. But he gets to a place where the water, he says the still water, and it's not only a place of refreshing for the sheep, it is a place of reflection. 
It's a place to see what they look like. When the light is at the right angle and there's nothing at the bottom, you look and you can see your reflection. And you look and says, I am a creation of God. See, 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 the community that, that, that's promoting an ulterior lifestyle, the problem is that when they look at their reflection, they're seeing muddy waters. And when you look and you see God created them male and female, he created them. End of story. Because God is a good God. And so we've got to get them to the streams of water. That's the goal when they can see their reflection and get a revelation of who Jesus is. And I'm here to tell you, you and I that are born again, that are saved, the only reason why we can walk this walk is because we experienced a revelation of God and we came to conclusion, God, you are God, you are mighty. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for leading me beside the still waters. You remember the day when you gave your heart to Jesus? And you got a revelation of his goodness and of his grace and of his mercy. Let's never forget that. Let's never forget the moment, the day when our hearts knew that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is master of my life. And you got a sense of peace, a joy, of great fulfillment. Why? Because it's the blessing of Almighty God. But in my time that's to remain, I now need to share with you where we are as a nation. I was speaking to someone and we were talking about the current political situation. And at the time when I was talking to him, I said, God, my heart aches for the soul of America. I can't decide. It's not about what particular party. It's about the nation of America. And my soul is crying out for the soul of America. We need a revelation of God. And of God's goodness. It doesn't matter who you put in the White House. It's who you welcome in your house. It's whether his presence is in your house. The living water that flows throughout your home. Proverbs 27 verse 19. I was diving into this text. And I was trying to get an understanding of it. But it says, as in water face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. A powerful text that when you look at water, it reflects the character of the man. And America is being brought to the waters. And they're looking at the water and they're saying, what do I look like? What have I become? And I'm here to tell you that the answer is not found in the donkey or the elephant. The answer is found in the church Jesus Christ and his revelation is the answer for America who's crying out. Is there any hope? I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Every lifestyle, whether it's fornication, whether it's adult, every lifestyle is a result of something that you wanted to satisfy you. That there was a thirst that you had and it had to be quenched because you're made up of water. And so here it is now that I believe the gathering place and all the churches in Marion that are crying out for the soul of America. May 5th is National Day of Prayer, and it's going to be a time, I believe, of crying out, says, God, we need the living water. You're bringing us to this water, and we're seeing our reflection. And what does it look like? What does it look like? The Bible tells us in 
uh, uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraints. So the culture and some of the things that we're hearing, the common sense things that we're hearing that's being ignored is because there's no revelation of God. They're living based on the idols that they have erected. They're living based on the mindset and the worldview that they have. Body of Christ, the culture didn't intimidate Jesus. There were still things going on in the time of Jesus when he was there. But because he lived on revelation, he moved in some authority and power that the people recognize, I've got to go and drink from the living water. And so here we are now, given the responsibility for where there is no revelation, people cast off restraints. But blessed, we go right back to it, is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Wisdom instruction. Now let me, in the next few moments, walk you quickly through the journey because there are people who are coming, you come thirsty. Let me walk you through it. So we have a spiritual reflection, and that was Job, and we read the scripture in Psalms 23, verse 2. And Proverbs 29, 18, we need a spiritual revelation of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what the world has been doing. Let me share with you now what we're going against is that they now have been looking. And instead of being a spiritual revelation, it's been a self-reflection. That we're looking now and we're seeing and we've now become man and we, we become God, excuse me. We now are elevating everything. And so we now need to look at the danger, the danger of what happens when the church is silent. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 to 7, and I'll, for, for the sake of time, I'll just go through it real quick. God is bringing the children of Israel out through Moses. And in verse number 2 of Exodus chapter 17, the people argued with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirst there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and says, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? Moses cries, what shall I do with this people? Moses, the leader, goes and says, they want something I can't give them. They want something that I can't satisfy them with. He says, they're about to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, take leadership. And take in your hand the staff which you, which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I stand before you there on a rock. And you will strike the rock and water shall come out of it. And the people will drink. We're hearing the answer to the cries of every heart. Is that the answer comes from Jesus Christ being the living water. And people are thirsty and they're coming to the church. But they're not seeing and they're not experiencing. They're not drinking from the living water. Because religion has taken place. Religion has come in. And all of a sudden now there's no more life. There's no more revelation. We have a program without his presence. We have attendance without the anointing. And so the people come and they're saying, I left thirsty. I came thirsty and I still left thirsty. I went through form but not experiencing the power and the presence of God. And the verse 7 says, is the Lord among us or not? Is he here or not? So when I look at my reflection, when I look at the revelation, the reflection, is the Lord here or not? And people are coming to the church, and the church has no water.
to give them. Let me end with Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 and verse 18. Magon's been married to me now going on 23 years. She knows my heart that it's very difficult for me to find anything wrong in somebody, sometimes to my own detriment. Thank God for Magon that's there as a discerning woman who's able to walk in that discernment and let me know. And so when I read this text, I said, God, but you know this is not comfortable for me to share this word. And he says, my people are thirsty, and they have to drink the living water. And so Jeremiah, a prophet who was living similar to the time of what we're living in now, moral decay, political confusion, the church compromising. And he says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, he says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of of living waters. And he goes and says, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Then God, as I was getting ready, gave me this, this, and I was floored. I was saying, a broken church leads to a broken cistern, which leads to a broken community, which leads to a broken culture. And God says, change the first one. My church is not broken. He says, I sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. My church is not broken. What has happened is that people who are broken is coming to here, and we've been talking about how broken we are, and they realize we are just the same as me. There's no transformation. And what has happened is that we have, and he shows to me, he says, what has happened and why we need the sermon is to recognize sin and recognize struggle. And what we have done is we have called sin struggle, and we've called struggle sin. And the people are confused when they come in because they come with their sin and we patty cake them and we say it's a struggle. But they come in with their struggle and we call the sin and we run them from the doors of the church. Don't you call my church broken. It's my bride that's built together. He says what happened is we need more water. And the more water you get, the more of you that I heal and I desire. So we're supposed to grow in grace. So I'm not denying vulnerability. I'm not saying we're not going to go through some pain. I'm not going to say that things are going to happen. David even says the bones you're broken, you have never. But what I'm saying is a mindset that we have given permission for people to live a lifestyle without being transformed. And I know that's tough. I know that's difficult. But we live in a culture where they're thirsty and they're saying it's not working. That's why they keep adding to their sin. They are confused. They have no clue what to do. So they come in. And he says, here's what's happened. Is you have forsaken the living water that just flowed. And you went with your own labor and you start to make your own cisterns, your own well. And after all your labor, it doesn't even hold any water anyways. So all the religious things we have done. All the things we have changed, the secret sense of everything we have done has not brought people to the living water. And he's here to say now that I will and I am the living water that people are looking for. So he says, don't call the broken church, call the broken covenant. You've broken my covenant from the garden. I said it was good and Adam and Eve broke my covenant and it's a covenant breaking. That's why Jesus is the New Testament of his covenant, the blood of his covenant. It's his covenant he brought back with us. It is the covenant of God. It's when you got married, there's a covenant. There's a bond that cannot, oh good God, be broken. Come on somebody. And that's what God is saying, that in this covenant there's protection. And what has happened is that the people who are thirsty have come to the church but we have broken covenant with God because we have broken sisters. When you have 
pastors and other people endorsing the lifestyle out there instead of being firm and strong on the covenant of God, we're confusing the world. God is the one that's bringing them here. God is the one that's causing that thirst. It is God that's bringing them to us. It's nothing we're doing. It's the grace and the mercy of God. That's how I came to God. That's how you came to Savior. That's how you came to the Savior. Was God put that thirst inside of you and you heard a gospel message, good God Almighty, that you believe and said, I'm drinking from the living waters. So it's a broken covenant that leads to broken sisters, that leads to a broken community. That has led us to a broken culture. But today, next two minutes that I have, here is what's going to happen. How many of you under the sound of my voice, you came today because you're thirsty? I got one, I got two, you came, I got three. You came today, I got four. You came today because you're thirsty. You came today because you're thirsty. Nothing satisfied. Nothing else in this world satisfied. You had the biggest meal, it didn't satisfy. You had the biggest drink, it didn't satisfy. And you now come in and you're saying, I'm no longer going to be drinking from this cistern. Because here's what happens. When you get the living water, you walk, because remember I said the body is about 71% water. You walk with the water of God's word. And you can prophesy now and be prophetic in people's life and declare things that speaks to the dry areas. But because you've been drinking from the cistern that cannot hold any water, when you get to them, you're dry yourself. Come on. And when you got two people who are dried, that's called religion. Come on, somebody. And so what happens now is we're still coming together. We're still having attendance, but no anointing. Ah, we're still gotten programs, but no presence. Why? Because two dry people, come on, somebody, cannot get God's presence. You rub them together. They may create heat. Come on, somebody. But we got to get the spirit of God inside of us. That's why you rub me the wrong way, because there's no spirit of grace inside of you. And that's why when I say something, you get offended. Why? There's no lubricant. There's no water that's there. Come on, somebody. But when there is water, hallelujah, somebody. You are able to move because God is on the inside of you and you are saying, Holy Ghost, have your way in this place. How many of you came thirsty today? Come on, worship team. I got one minute. If you got to go, you can go. But I'm going to allow, please just give me five minutes if you got to go. God bless you. Go thirsty. But I'm telling you right now, the atmosphere has just shift because God has sovereignly selected the gathering place. And God has put his mark on Mary. And I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a flood, but not like Noah's day. There's going to be a flood, but not a flood of destruction. There's going to be a flood of God's anointing, his glory, and it's going to come. And everybody that steps into the water. Woo! They're going to experience the power and the presence of God. Because here's why. Psalm 63, verse 1. Psalm 63, verse 1. We looked at Job about the uh, revelation. Now we're going to take a look at Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh, God, you are my God. Mm. Come on. <laughs> God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, come on, faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. But Isaiah 58 verse 11 says this. And I declare this over the gathering place right now. And the Lord will guide you continually, Isaiah 58 verse 11 says. 
And the Lord will guide you continually. Stay in His covenant. And satisfy your desire in a scorched place. And make your bones strong. Mm. Good God Almighty. And you shall be like a watered garden. Takes us right back to his creation again. Because God is a good God. Like a spring of water. Whose waters do not fail. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. Right where you're seated. Make that be the altar or come here to this altar. But if you came thirsty, if you came thirsty, I want you to sing, only you satisfy. Just for a few moments, just sing it. Only you satisfy. Because I'm releasing you. Excuse me. God has released you into this earth that is dry. And people who are saying, my flesh faints because there's no water. Yes, there is water. It's the, it's the living water. It's the living water. We will not forsake the fountain of living waters anymore. We will bring people to the fountain of living water. The Lord will guide you. And you, you will be like a spring of water. And you will be a refreshing. You, gather place. Those who are watching us on TV, you will be a spring of water. Because only you Come on, sing it. Only you satisfy.